Nothing discussed with Dr. Johnson in this conversation is meant to diagnose or treat any condition or takes the place of talking with your own healthcare professionals. Aloha, everyone, and welcome to another conversation from anxiety to clarity. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich, and this joint project has been arranged and produced by my colleague, Trisha Kajimura from Sutter Health Kahimahala, and with Evan Leong from Brain Gain Hawaii and me. And our hope is that these conversations are helpful and hopeful as we all learn how to deal with COVID-19 and ongoing life, knowing that we're going to be living a very changed existence. So where are we now? Well, the state is pretty much open to itself. Neighbor Island travel and gyms some movie theaters and some museums are now allowed to open to the public. Uh, masking and distancing ongoing, and everything seems to have the veil of normalcy about it, except for the legions of tourists and the dollars that they bring that stoke the, the state's economy. That is very, very changed. And how that will open to Trans-Pacific visitors, well, we really don't know that yet. Lots of conversation, but no real firm plan or date for that announced as of this time. So well, with Hawaii looking very different than it did 10 weeks ago when we began this series, we thought we would circle back and have another conversation with psychologist Dr. Martin Johnson, who joined us for our very first conversation. He's the founder of the Hawaii Center for Psychology, and it's always good to have a conversation with Dr. Johnson. Martin, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thanks for having me, Beth Ann. It's good to be here. Well, I see something very new in looking at you that since I saw you last time. There wasn't a, a beard and a mustache. Was that just because you got tired of shaving or you thought about changing your look during all of this? Well, I blame it on my teenage son who started it. It became a father and son uh, thing to do together. And, and basically just a thing to sort of mess with the boredom of, of the pandemic. Well, I, I like that. I like that. And, and you've had a lot of really lovely things happen in your family in the last little while. So let me congratulate you, first of all, on all your wonderful years of marriage. You and Leah have a wonderful relationship, and it was really lovely to see what you put up on Facebook about that. And also that your son is now a bona fide 2020 high school graduate. Yes, that was quite an event. Thank you. So with everything that's been going on in your family, how have things been changing for you since we we talked 10 weeks ago aside from the fact that we just marked some of those milestones but to get to that point how has life been well you know i think personally um it's been marked with a lot of change as it probably has for many people uh i think it's important i we've been listening to different people talk about metaphors and 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 how unprecedented this is and all of these uh words and and one of the metaphors I kind of like is we're not all in the same boat, but we're all in different boats going over the same wave, right? So some of us are doing well and some of us are you know, having much more challenge, right? Uh, for myself as a, as a psychotherapist and a psychologist, I went from 98% of my work being face-to-face to 100% of my work being telehealth. Um, and that happened in about two weeks' time. And it was interesting as I scrambled myself to also watch my colleagues and discussion groups and really all over the country and all over the world sort of scramble to learn how to do this and um, and sort of get that together. Um, so I'm blessed to be in a, in a career where my work continued largely uninterrupted, although sort of changed in format. Um, you know, my friends who are chiropractors and 
in other fields where it's really much more hands-on really don't have mental health. Um, and so they're just now sort of getting back to work. Um, but, but actually my family has fared fairly well. It's, you know, like any, any kid graduating in the class of 2020, um, it's a unique graduation uh, to be mm -hmm. kind. Well, clearly this is going to be something etched in his memory for the rest of his life as it is for the rest of us too. You bring up being able to continue your work through telehealth. Uh, obviously we're seeing a great press for that throughout medicine and whatever one can do if, if one is in the medical field to be able to continue to work in that way or just to see that something that we've been talking about for a very, very long time now had an accelerator behind it out of sheer need because they couldn't be face-to-face -face. now some things you're right like I haven't been able to see my dentist and they just called and now I can't see my dentist till August because they're so backlogged but for other parts right. of, of you know treatment mm -hmm. uh, there have been other things that I've been able to access through telehealth too this for a lot of people they think that this is a very good thing that this is where we we're going anyway but now this just gave us a much better reason to be able to do it, to give much more access to people. Have you been able to see more people, you know, being able to access you, maybe new patients or others that hadn't known about you before that suddenly telehealth opened a world to? Well, I think that's been true in general in mental health. My practice uh, particularly is a kind of practice where um, it's really just moving from from one mode to another, clicking back and forth. And, and for most of my clients, that's not been a difficult uh, transition. Although I have um, done a couple of sessions talking to a steering wheel because the client couldn't reverse their camera. Um, so we've all had our challenges. Uh, but in my personal practice, that made a big difference. But, but I think you're right. It's been an accelerant um, in some areas um, of uh, healthcare and also um, other uh, economic areas. My wife is a retailer. Um, she was closed temporarily, got reopened, and now the majority of her business is done uh, online and um, through social media, um, which is a huge uh, shift for them. Um, and, and something they were sort of thinking they were gonna eventually have to get to, and now suddenly two months later, they are there. Um, so I think for a lot of um, the society, uh, you know, there's, you know, we all read the stories. There's a lot of businesses where the people have been working from home and as they sort of have the option of coming back, now they're letting it be an option um, and, and deciding whether or not, you know, they want everybody in the office. Um, so, so I think it has moved a lot of things forward sort of rapidly. And, and you know, while it has been a great disruption and caused a great deal of pain, for many of uh, many people around the world, um, and that is it's sad and it is a crisis. I think it's important at this point in time for those people, or, well, for all of us, to look at where, if any, upsides there are for us. You know, maybe it's as simple as we got to spend more time with our pet. You know, maybe it's not some great thing, but there's there's some silver linings in the cloud. And as this sort of moves into the next phase, and it's going to be prolonged, right? As, as we can kind of tell. It's important to start noticing what's the upside of it, right? And, and being willing to appreciate it. I've had several people go like, wow, I feel embarrassed to say this, but I kind of like this aspect, or this has kind of worked well for me, but I hate to say it because I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, taking joy out of other people's pain. And that's not the point. We all have to adapt. And so we have to start finding ways that we can uh, appreciate uh, what we do have and what positive changes that are there for us. 
just so that we can kind of continue in the ambiguity. And, and that's, I think, a big part of it, understanding that we are in this land of ambiguity and uncertainty, and we're dancing on shifting carpets all the time, and it's going to continue to be that way. In many ways, this feels as if it has brought life down to what really matters, the essentials. And whether you know, people feel guilty about enjoying those little pleasures, those simple pleasures of life, or, or whether they don't, it's still been very much that leveler of looking at what really matters and how we get through the, these times and keep getting through these times, not knowing that there's going to be an end in sight. Many, many changes sociologically that you just mentioned from how people work to how people buy things to what's happening with brick and mortar that was just beyond the threat of the internet, but now really seeing what people's preferences are how they've learned to live through all this. I mean, a lot for us to unpack there. So let's just start with some of what you began to talk about with work. Uh, we did a whole conversation about that uh, a few weeks ago. And the idea that they are made now be hybrids of, you know, people who will be in the office a certain number of hours or days a week, and then maybe at home for the rest. Uh, other people who want to be exclusively in the office because they really need that and other people who want to be perhaps and are allowed to be working from home exclusively, changing the whole idea of what we need for you know, commercial real estate. But also it seems to say that we are getting a little bit better about honoring preferences and how people access their best. Are you seeing that with the people that you've been talking to and how they are looking at going back to work or, or starting their careers differently or if you're in touch with anyone in the business community? Well, you know, I think the, the honoring people's choices and how people can work best is, is certainly the hope. And, and I hope, I, I think there's a good chance we'll eventually get there. I think the, the thing I'm seeing right now is actually in the last couple of weeks, people are more stressed than they have been since the beginning of the whole pandemic. And I think that's because at the beginning, we were worried about the illness and and trying to learn about it, and is it the flu, is it more than the flu, how do people get sick, how do we wash our hands, you know, all of those things were sort of new to us, and then we sort of settled in and hunkered down, and in Hawaii, of course, we were very fortunate, um, and, you know, leaders took some apparently wise choices, right, we've been very fortunate to flatten the curve, um, uh, but now, in the last couple of weeks, things are starting to open up again, and I think we've all had this sort of hope, even if it wasn't fully thought through and conscious, well, it'll start to get normal, right? We can start to do our life again. And of course, as it opens up, it, it, you know, it, it's better, right? We all got to go to the barber and the hairstylist. Uh, yeah, that's, those people are jabbed. Um, but it certainly doesn't seem normal and it certainly isn't clear what's next, right? Or what's the appropriate thing to do or, or how do we do it or when will it happen? So there's a ton of ambiguity. And that, that ambiguity makes people nervous and it's on top of we've all been locked down for two to three months. Um, so what I'm seeing is there's an increase in anxiety and stress. People generally don't attribute it to the pandemic. They attribute it to whatever's in front of their nose, right? It's my marriage. It's my kid. It's my job. It's, you know, my family. It's, you know, whatever is, you know, life for them, right? But it's all built on this increased level of anxiety of, like, extended ambiguity, and not knowing when it's going to start to settle down. 
Um, and I think we're kind of out of the beginning or at the end of the beginning, and we're going into a middle phase, right? And we don't know how long the middle phase will last. But I would arbitrarily mark the end of the middle will be when the when a vaccine shows up, or when an effective um, you know way to sort of manage and dampen the pandemic shows up. And we have no way of knowing what that is. So how are you turning people back to the idea that this is pandemic-based? It's not the marriage, the child, the whatever it is that they think is right in front of their nose, but really get them to look underneath that and, and make them understand that there's more at work here than just what's been happening necessarily within in their own household that maybe might be the more fixable thing. I mean, you can leave a marriage, you can reprimand a child or, or cut a child off if they're in college or what, whatever things that a parent may feel punitive as they are, at least they can work on that or fix it. Or they can choose to work on the marriage or work on the relationship. But those are all good things, but it won't necessarily address that underlying, you know, roiling sea of ambiguity that none of us knows really you know, how, how deep it will be or how wide it will be and how long we'll be riding on it. Well, there's a bad joke going around and it goes like this. The patient says, doctor, doctor, I'm very concerned. I'm having trouble concentrating. The doctor says, well, we are going through a global pandemic. And the patient goes, yeah, 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 yeah. But doctor, I'm not sleeping well. And the doctor goes, well, we are going through a global pandemic. And the patient goes, yeah, doctor, but I'm so irritable. My, my spouse can't stand it. And the doctor goes, Hello, is my microphone on? Hello, can you hear me? Hello. Okay. So, so what I do is I, you know, the thing that the person needs to deal with, of course, is the stuff in their life, right? But we also, it helps if we can give ourselves a little compassion and a little context that the reason we're more irritable, the reason we're not sleeping, has to do with the pandemic. And there are things we can do to help us cope with the ambiguity. I, I noticed, you know, when last time we spoke, uh, we talked a lot about structure and and sort of uh, creating a little project you can do that you can control, right? And and there was a lot of hoarding going on at the time. The toilet paper was gone. There was all this sort of silliness, right? That it really wasn't relevant, but people were just scared. Right? What I or noticed they were acting is, in ways that they knew how to act because yes, they but, didn't have any yes, experience with yes. this. So if there's a disaster, you go buy toilet paper and rice, right? Right, exactly, precisely. And what I noticed is, is we've gone forward the, the hoarding stopped, that's great, but we did briefly run out of flour, and now I understand there's, there's not a lot of yeast, right? Um, because people are home baking, right? People are also having trouble getting jigsaw puzzles online because they're selling out, right? Why? Because these are concrete things we can do at home, whether it's baking a loaf of bread or putting together a jigsaw puzzle, where our mind can rest, we can focus on something we control, that's predictable, has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And when we're done, we can enjoy eating and sharing the bread for a day or so. We can enjoy right. leaving the puzzle up and feeling like we accomplished something. And it's that productive. is healthy for us. Right. It, it is healthy for us neurologically and emotionally to kind of have a break from the ambiguity. Right. So, you know, that and playing games and laughter and social connection. Again, I really wish whoever came up with it had said, physical distancing and not social distancing, right? Um, for those of us who work now through the screen on a regular basis, it seems sometimes like the last thing we want to do is have a Zoom uh, cocktail hour after work because we're tired of looking at this thing. 
But yeah, I'm telling Zoom fatigue you, is a big thing. It is a thing, right? Um, but I'm telling you, it's different when it's social, right? And it's so important to just reaffirm those connections, right? And be in connection with other people and hear their story and realize, oh, that's not so different from my story or I can understand it from my perspective. And it starts to be, we're not so alone with it. You know, interestingly enough, uh, I was talking to my son who is in the Bay Area and hunkered down. And I said, well, I miss seeing you. Would you like to do a Zoom meeting instead of a telephone call? I said, actually, mom, I really want to just close my eyes and talk to you. And I don't want to be looking at a screen. And I thought that was so interesting because, you know, clearly Mm -hmm. a millennial kid, and he he just said to me, I'm looking at screens all the time. I've got Mm -hmm. Zoom meetings all the time. I just would like to talk to you and close my eyes. I thought, that's pretty interesting. Well, for some of us boomer parents, as music to our ears. We were trying to get them off the screen time for the last 20 years. Um, so maybe they're finally uh, screened out. Learning a lesson. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, but yes, it is a huge change. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, there's going to be technological changes. I, I'm in a home office now. I'm about to get a large screen in my home office instead of the small screen. It's just sort of those little things to sort of like, well, this is real now. This is, right? We need to now make the most of our new reality, right? First of all, we have to accept that this is going to be part of the new reality. Right. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about next, because for a lot of people, there is this wish, however it may or may not be expressed, that somehow we are going to return to normal, even though they hear the rhetoric that says, no, that's not going to be possible or certainly not possible until we have a vaccine and, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows where that is. So they're looking a year out, 18 months out and figuring like the Mm -hmm. clock is ticking and if we can get through this. And there's this arbitrary sense in their minds that, well, that's where we're going to place it. And once we get that vaccine, then life will return to normal. But in that ensuing period, we're going to see a lot of change and the Mm -hmm. changes that we've been building on by the very you know, changes that we've seen brought by our lifestyles under COVID-19. And so I'm wondering how, with all of this wish, however expressed or not, to have some sense of normalcy, how is it that we get to people who are not necessarily going to be able to have any sense of a previous normalcy? Because we still have so many people out of work. We have many people who are now looking to leave Hawaii because they're not sure they're going to be able to go back to a job because that job doesn't exist anymore and jobs are changing and they're not quite sure that they, they want to be here. Or maybe they've discovered that they're far away from family and they need to be with aging parents on the mainland or just wanting to be closer to family on the mainland. Lots and lots of changes. How do we get through to a lot of people for whom any return to some sort of normalcy, albeit tweaks or not, is not necessarily going to be a reality. Well, I, I think, you know, when I'm working with people, I try to, to acknowledge that it's not normal. It doesn't feel normal. It feels odd, right? It just normalize the discomfort with things. Mm-hmm. But then sort of move away from normal and start to get to what is. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, many people are in pivots. They're in pivots professionally. They're in pivots in terms of their own values. Like, wow, I was busy as heck. What, what was I doing? I, I kind of like not having, you know, eat, eating at home and having a little more time, right? It's like, so what was, you know, there's a reevaluation of things. 
um, uh, career and otherwise. And then I think it's important to start moving forward. We, we can't wait until it's all spelled out for us, but in some area, so maybe you take an online class if you're interested in this new area, maybe you look online for an online job part-time, maybe you do a side gig, uh, maybe you talk to your spouse about really where do you want to live and, and why and how do you want to live, right? Just start start formulating for yourself and taking small steps forward and exploring because otherwise we sit back and wait for the world to get normal. And that, you know, that's not a great strategy, right? No. There was a book, you know, decades ago, um, uh, I think the guy's name is Robert Johnson, no relation, I promise you, Who Moved My Cheese? right? It's a classic book, right? About two little mice, Emma and Haw, and how they dealt with big change in their lives, right? Um, so I think it is time to sort of, you know, take take the world into our own hands in terms of our world, what, what was important to us, what direction we want to move, and begin to move in that direction, and sort of take baby steps. We'll feel better, right? Because waiting for it all to clear up is, you know, it's going to be a long time, and we don't know how it's going to clear up. You know, I, I do remind that, people historically, because, you know, for those of us who are nerdy enough to, to look at things like that, right, after the plague came the Renaissance, and after the Spanish flu of 1918 came the Roaring Twenties, right? So I'm, I'm just going to choose to believe that five years from now, things are going to be pretty awesome, right, if, if, that's, the, if that's the pattern. It's it's also good to be that optimistic and look forward something to forward something and and look forward to betterment in some way. But the the bottom line of what I hear you say and and what I'm seeing happen in other people's lives is that they're not waiting. the the cho- the choice to not wait, and whether that's to look at all the things you just talked about or to choose to get married. I've just talked to a friend whose nephew and his fiance had planned to be married in a couple of weeks and they're going through with it. And they have mm-hmm. thankfully had chosen to be married in a family home in a backyard and all that. That makes it a little easier when you've got the venue, right, sure. but they've also said, you know, if five people show up, it's great. If 50 people show up, it's great. If nobody shows up, it's great. They just had this incredibly mm-hmm. healthy attitude that most people going into a wedding usually don't have. And to me, that was a really great harbinger of potentially a fabulous marriage that they can be weathering all of this and realize that it's the marriage, not the wedding. Some people are are choosing no to wait, you know, until it's safer. Some people don't have a choice because the venues that they wanted are closed and, you know, many things like that that are on the, the, the periphery of what the marriage would always be about, you know, the two people. But it's just interesting to see some of these very clear decisions that people have made to not wait and to live their lives because life is still passing every single day. And I think it's a really healthy right. place. Right. And for some people, um, the decision to go ahead with the marriage is a great decision. And for other people, the decision to wait on the marriage may be the thing they need to do. But there may be other areas or elements in their lives that they can begin to move forward with. And I think the, the point is to scan your life and see where you can begin to take some positive steps. In scanning your life, it really means you have to be pretty honest with yourself. 
And one of the things that is toughest for a lot of people to do is to be very honest with themselves and take a good deep look and not simply fob something off or create an excuse for it. Are we getting better at that because of the pandemic? Has that also brought a sense of not just uh, being able to focus on the simple things, the good things, understanding what we may like or not like, but really create some better understanding of ourselves? Well, it certainly created an opportunity for self-reflection. And I think a lot of people are taking advantage of that. Um, largely because everything we were planning on just came to a screeching halt for, for many of us. For others, it's like, um, you know, I, I work with some people in the medical field and, and other areas, uh, certainly financial field. Oh, my goodness. Um, they are just working themselves to death. Um, they, they just can't keep up with things, right? Um, so, so, again, like I say, we, we speak in generalities, but we're all in very different boats on this very big wave. Um, but, yes, I think generally people are sort of reflecting on it, even some of these people that are working themselves to the bone. Um, I was when they ask, do, asking, do they want to do, do that? Right, yeah, right. And why are they doing that? And what do they, you know, what, what are their reasons for doing that? Um, so, yeah, I think it, it does make us all question, and that creates the opportunity for self-reflection. And as was said a couple of times in different ways, you know, the, I'm, I'm do, dealing a little more with existential crisis than I usually do in my practice. What does it all mean? Why am I doing right. this? I don't exactly. really care about. And you know, not to go further down the existential rabbit hole, but you know, there are some people who believe that this is now a real turning point for society in the ways that you talked about. What happened? You know, when we look back over our shoulder at what had happened after the plague, after we came through the flu, all of that. That these were real pivots in and hard pivots. But right. they somehow made society better because of it. That also says that we have a lot of collateral damage in doing some of this because that's going to be just the nature of it and understanding that there are positives and negatives on, on both sides of the equation, both economically and certainly when it comes to public health. But the greater understanding, I think, has to be that because you've got damage on both sides, that you can't have one without the other and that there's going to be plenty of both as we do this hard pivot, because this is not just one localized area. This is something, that's why we call it a pandemic. It's happening around the world, and it's going to be a hard shift. That's a much tougher concept for people to get around. What words of advice would you give them as, as they look at the enormity of that and what that means to truly understand that we're, we're going to have more cases, we're going to have more economic hardship things are going to be different we talked a lot about the good things what, what do you tell them in dealing with the not so good things well you know i think i i tend to classify change into four categories right and there's the the good stuff that we had something to do with and that we call growth because we did good stuff and we got good stuff for it and there's good stuff sometimes happens to us and we didn't have much to do with it we'll call it luck and now what we're talking about is when things aren't so great, right? If, we, if we're the cause and we made a mistake, we need to re-examine it, learn from it, make some changes, right? Mm. And then the other thing is when bad things happen to us, we had nothing to do with it. It's trauma of one kind or another, big T, little T, right? And then there's some grieving to do, right? Um, there's some healing to do, right? There's um, oftentimes this sort of leads us to spirituality or religion, right? Like, what do we trust in the universe? What do we trust in the world? Right? Um, and, and so 
you know, as we look at all four kinds of change, right? We have to, I, I, I encourage everyone to, to make the growth part their focus, but don't ignore the others, right? So, you know, the trauma for us is in multiple ways. There's a, there's a loss of a sense of security. We took a lot for granted, right? Uh, of course, we're going to graduate the normal way. Of, of course, we're going to, you know, our business will continue in the normal course, so to speak. Uh, of course, we'll be able to hug our grandparents. Uh, of course, you know, and, and well, I guess not, right? And those are losses. Um, I've, I've, I'm constantly reminding people that it's normal to cry. And, and sometimes they're not even telling me that they're crying. And then they go, they're relieved. Like, really? Like, I didn't want to tell you. I thought you'd think, I'm a therapist. What do you think I'm going to think? Um, but they're embarrassed to tell the therapist that they're sort of spontaneously crying a couple times. Like, that's pretty normal because of the enormity of both loss and uncertainty. Um, yeah, we, so, we talked a lot about loss last time. And, and that was one of the conversations that even after we spoke began to resonate with other people who saw that particular video and even in conversations that they had again with me. And, and perhaps that's the part that we need to continually underscore, that there is loss, even with all the changes, good or bad, even with the reflections for good or for not so good, understanding that all of this sea change is happening, it still means loss. Every time mm -hmm. you move from one phase to another, you've lost something in the game. And, right. and that's not necessarily something we talk a lot about, even though we, we kind of know it, but we don't really talk about it as much as I think we're talking about it now. That I put into a win because life is all about change. As my grandmother used to tell me, you know, nothing endureth like change, so you better make friends with it. Not mm -hmm. easy to do. Not easy to do. Right. Right. Um, you know, I think... Being able to talk about our sadness, being able to talk about our loss uh, with friends and loved ones, um, with a therapist, if you sort of need to find someone else to talk to it about, because maybe your loved ones are also heavily burdened and you are concerned about burdening them. Although usually sharing it is less of a burden than we imagine. Um, but, but yeah, with a therapist, with loved ones, in safe places, uh, being able to share that and express it and get it out really does, you know, it's just healthy for us. It's a normal part of human life. And when we're facing massive amounts of change, right? Um, I think the other thing we're seeing, and I, I, I think you touched on it a moment ago, is we're seeing societal change, right? We're seeing uh, as people are, are stressed and, and, you know, bad things are happening, um, and we have sort of a reflective moment to sort of look at it, for some of us with new eyes, some of us is like, what are you talking about new eyes? We haven't seen this in a long time. It's like, okay, fair enough. Um, but we're, we're sort of looking at criminal justice differently, looking at race relationships differently. Um, and I think that's all, uh, you know, potentially positive in the long run and, you know, disruptive and upsetting and emotional and, and difficult for many people uh, in the short run. Um, but again, as you talk about, you know, this, uh, these large disruptions, have moved societies forward. I think there's hope that this will move us forward. I think a lot of people are hoping that, but it's going to be a rocky road because one of the fundamental questions I hear people asking and, and have had conversations too quietly is, what does this mean anymore to be an American? Looking at you know, inequality, looking at social justice issues, looking 
at the television, you can't, you know, have it on for a few minutes before something comes up to remind you that this is not the America of your grandparents or your great grandparents. Not that maybe that was so terrific unless you were in a particular strata, uh, but really making us look at who we are. Even the issue, issue of masking, you know, the idea of masking was meant to protect other people, not necessarily to keep yourself safe, but to express the idea that I'm doing this for you and for my community. And those people who say, no, I'm not going to do that, really, it's a, a true reflection of how they feel about the rest of their community and, and what they think about themselves. And that sense of, of you know, looking in that American mirror, too, where we used to feel that you know we're kind of all in this together, where that was very much a part of the way the, the, the war efforts were structured in the Second World War in particular. And as now those generations are dying off and we're seeing real change in how people regard themselves as Americans, as people in the community, really there's, there's a whole lot to be able to, to disentangle from all of that. But the bottom line that you mentioned is really being able to look at this as a fundamental change or a societal change in which we have a part. And the question is, what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? And hopefully with the least amount of damage to other people, because heaven knows we're getting plenty of damage from COVID-19. Yes, right, right. Sure. I know that we've been talking for a while about this. Wait, were you about to say something? Um, no, just that, you know, I think one of the things that is is being laid clear is is how many different perspectives Americans have on our American life. And, um, and some might say some people have a very narrow perspective, right? And it's easy to sort of then judge that partially. Um, certainly perspectives need to change and people need to listen and people need to learn and people become more sensitive and more empathic and more supportive and more egalitarian, right? It's, it's you know, that's uh, stating some very simple things, but, but apparently very necessary things. We're, we're not nearly as far there as some people thought. Um, and other people, again, have been having a different experience and going like, what are you talking about? This is not new news, folks. Um, so, you know, as we sort of come around those, right, it, it's sort of important, I think, to meet people where they are and then help, help people to increase their understanding and, and widen their view. Um, and it's very easy to fall into anger and judgment, and um, I'm, not, I'm not speaking about what you just said, but sort of what we see, right, in our society. Um, and to the extent that we fall into anger and judgment and harshness, um, we, we all have right to our feelings and, and our angers. But in terms of the exchange, right, I think in terms of moving forward, um, when we're able to minimize the, uh, when we're able to better meet people where they are and help them come to a greater understanding, um, then I think we're in better shape. I, I agree with you with that. I think the, the corollary to that is also being able to meet ourselves where we really are, not where Indeed. we think we are or where yes. we would like to be, That's but right. getting to that very vulnerable, honest place and being able to say, you know, even now when, when suddenly a, a, an idea pops up or a judgment pops up, I mean, wait a minute, why do I think that? You know, I've gotten a lot better about that. And I thought I was pretty good about that before, but sometimes these things just come up 
unbidden in a certain situation because suddenly it's ripe for that to happen. And it's been there all along, but maybe we haven't paid very much attention to it. And uh, it's also good to know that it's okay to, to cry a little over yourself, not being the person you thought that you were, but then to take the opportunity to be something better. And for, for me personally, that's what a lot of this exercise has been in, in staying at home and having to reconcile some things that I thought I had reconciled a long time ago. And so I've been very grateful for, for the time to be able to do that. And I hope that there will be a lot of those you know, silver linings for people going forward, as sure. we talked about before. Any final thoughts from you before we close it up for today? Well, just I think it's, you know, uh, coming off of what you just said, as a therapist, um, therapy is largely about bumping into our, um, our uh, sort of unconscious or out of conscious, out of awareness preconceptions of things that we just operate as if that's just the way it is. And, and because that's just, we, we operate like that's the way it is. We don't, we don't re-examine them often. Right. And when we have these kinds of large disruptions in our society and in our lives, right, it's a great time to sort of bump into those. And usually there's, it's somewhat painful when we do that. And sometimes it's enlightening and sometimes it's disappointing. Um, and sometimes it's just sort of surprising, right? But I think sometimes it's, really it's all of those things. Exactly. Once. I think it's, yeah, I think as you've been saying, it's a very healthy process and it's a great time to sort of engage in it um, as we reevaluate our assumptions and, and try to move forward in, it in the best possible way. Well, Martin, thank you very much for another very insightful conversation. And I look forward to our next one. Meanwhile, all the best to you and your family. Stay well and healthy. And we will talk to you sometime soon. Thanks so much. Thank you, Beth. And for those of you joining us today, thanks very much for being here for this conversation from Anxiety to Clarity. We hope you'll join us next week as we take another run at it from a different perspective. And if you have a particular topic you'd like us to tackle or you have a question, send it in. You can reach me at KozlovB, that's K-O-Z as in zebra, L-O-V as in Victor, B as in boy, at Sutter Health. Kozlovb at SutterHealth.org, and we will get back to you. Meanwhile, make it a good week, and we'll see you next time for another conversation from Anxiety to Clarity.